we start today's episode, just to let you know, you can now nominate for the 2025 Northern Power Women Awards. To be in with a chance of celebrating with changemakers, trailblazers and advocates on the 6th of March 2025. Nominate now at wearepower.net. Women podcast for your career and your life, no matter what business you're in. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Northern Power Women podcast and the third episode in our leveling up season. I'm your host, Simone Roche, and I've been chatting to some of our amazing community of Northern Power Women from across all our regions, our sectors, all genders, and we're bringing to you the stories, the tips, the tricks, the wisdom, the takeaways, and more from those who are truly leveling up from up here in the North. Last year, we published our levelling up report by powering on and we had three asks. Give us seats at the table, invest in female and black Asian minority ethnic led businesses and invest in our future talent. And now over a year on, we've made some fantastic progress and are gearing up to report back. But first, we want to hear from you. How have you been levelling up? Click the link in the show notes to fill in the survey and be part of our progress report later this year. But now... I want to talk to a fantastic human being who epitomises cracking on. <laughs> Debbie Francis OBE has a distinguished business career, including a period of, uh, as Northern City's executive for Arcadis UK and managing director of direct rail services. We wouldn't be talking levelling up if we weren't talking about rail at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> And now Debbie is chair of the Lancashire LEP, the Local Enterprise Partnership, and also holds a number of other non-executive roles. She is revisiting her original plans like that many of us were scuppered by the pandemic and relaunching her company Ripple Effect Development Limited, which is focused on training and development of women in business in those areas that she is all too aware that can impact confidence and subsequently performance for women in roles at all levels. She also offers consultancy services to companies looking to improve their overall approach to equality, diversity and inclusion. She's a Northern Power Women Power Lister, might I add, no surprise there. After all you have done and you are doing and was awarded an OBE earlier this year. Well done, Debbie. How are you? In fact, actually, was it the end of the year? Was it the New Year's honours, Debbie? It was the New Year's honours. Yeah, it was indeed. How am I? I'm embarrassed, I think, after all of that. And isn't that a really one of the typical responses from the women that you speak to because I listen to it and I think oh, and I'm not sure I recognize myself in it when you're saying it and then there's another bit of me th- wanting to feel really proud and thinking that that's that's wrong it, it's it's sort of some of those typical responses that we have for right or wrong and I understand them all too well but it doesn't stop me feeling them the same as everybody else does I know, we were talking about the OB just before this, and you're off to the the Palace Windsor, actually, sorry, the castle, um, early next year to pick up your amazing OBE. And one of the things we were talking about is at the awards next year, which will be the six Northern Power Women Awards, we are encouraging everyone to wear their achievement, whether it's your 25-minute meter swimming badge, you know, whether it's your, you know, local achievement or win it, you know, wear it, wear it with pride, because it is, it's easy, isn't it, to just keep these things on a shelf in a cupboard but get them get the light out from beyond that bushel I say 
Thanks. I, and, and, and I agree. And that is great advice for women. I mean, you know, my, my husband had to absolutely hammer on at me to put the OBE onto my LinkedIn profile and things because it just felt, you know, that it, it, it feels like it's almost wrong to shout about it, but it shouldn't be. And that's partly because, you know, it's really important. I know some of what we're going to talk about today is, you know, what we need to be doing to make sure we can get a seat at the table and things. And some of that is making sure that the role models are there for the people to see. Well, if we're not shouting about what we've done, we can't be we can't be seen as those role models. So, you know, whether whether we feel slightly embarrassed by it or not, we need to get out there and do that because that is putting out, uh, you know, the role models that the next generations need to see. Um, and if you're not shouting about it, it's not visible. Absolutely. And as individuals, what, what are those skills and qualities we should all aim to possess to get that seat at the table? Because that, that was one of the big asks that we had in our report last year. So whether you're enabling a seat to be taken, uh, whether you're recommending someone or whether you're pulling it out, extending the table and bringing a bench with you to bring more people on it. What are those key skills that we want to bring? To be, to be honest, I would love to say that we only need to bring the same skills as, as everybody else. There's no reason why our, you know, we should be looking differently at the skills we have to bring. You should just be able to bring your knowledge, your experience and ability to articulate issues, you know, and, and listen to other people. You shouldn't have to have anything else. But we're well aware, I think, that it's still not quite as equal as, as we, we would like it to be. Um, and some of those skills and qualities that are often looked for are not always quite so easy for us. Great example is, is confidence. Um, and, it, and it comes across in all sorts of ways. So and it's great in the recruitment process. There's lots of times when you may be in that situation when you're very close to, say, a male counterpart. And the, the recruitment panel will, will give the job to the, to the man on the basis that he came across more confidently. So that's a really difficult one you know it, and it's it's a subconscious it's not a subconscious bias almost it's something that we think you've got to have to you know have a seat at the table or be a leader that this idea about having confidence and we're not clear enough about recognizing what is is confidence and what's real confidence so you know for men and okay we are talking about generalized genders here and that's not always the right way to go but for now i think we have to stick with that in this type of conversation so testosterone creates confidence Okay, so and men have more testosterone than women, obviously, and men can suffer lack of confidence actually when they get low testosterone and things. But at the end of the day, what that does apparently is it that it makes um, men often go far more on gut instincts and with less reflection. And we, I think we all see those differences between women and men, don't we? It's fine. The differences are important because we've also got to remember that we're not trying to make some homogenized project between men and women. We just need to understand that there are those differences. It doesn't take away from the skills, the experience and the qualities. So I think, you know, long, you know, long term, we shouldn't have to be having any different seats at the table. Short term, we maybe need to focus on how we push that impression of confidence, even if it might put us out of our comfort zone. And I think it is that coming out of the comfort zone. And I think the first time I met you was uh, at a, a women in, in business event. And I'd been, I'd been, you were on my radio because you'd done the clip around, um, around the, you know, Krupa race, which is an amazing, ballsy, I'm going to say, kind of uh, thing to do. And I'm, I'm, you know, living on a boat and passionate about sailing. I was totally fascinated to talk to this human. And I remember we had this speed chat uh, and then we, we, we carried it on in bits as we went along. And I think that was in the six months leading up 
up to when you were going to originally launch or you had started to launch Ripple Effect. And then obviously the, the, the dastardly COVID sort of came into play. So I'm really thrilled that, you know, that is that is coming back because I think the the way that you approach things, um, Debbie, is just is so human. And I think sometimes it's easy to throw the word, oh, it's just you lacking confidence and, you know, just do this and it'll be all good. I think you really bring a human factor to this and make it feel okay to be yourself. And, it, and it's, that's got to be, you know, I always laugh because everybody says they see me on these things. Say, yeah, but it's easy for you. You know, you're full of confidence. Like, no, no, I'm absolutely not. You know, we were laughing before. I was still sitting here having a hot flush. Some of it was because I'm having a flush and some of it's just because I've got some nerves because I always get them. You know, I'm, I've got the same problems that I know a lot of my friends have got in terms of listening back to these things and watching these things going, oh, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? You know, I don't have any more or less confidence than than an awful lot of the people I know, you know, around me. But you've got to push yourself out there. You've got to make sure you're going to be the role model. You've got to push yourself out there. But it's not straightforward to do. And it's not as easy as just saying, you know, get a grip and it'll be fine. And, you know, at some of that is some of, you know, as a as a as a, a cheeky plug, that is some of what I'm trying to, to deal with and work with women through some of the workshops and the courses that I'm going to run with the relaunch of my company and it is those things because I know it isn't just get a grip on yourself it's not that it's not that simple and we'll put details uh, for Debbie and Ripple Effect into the show notes as well so if you want any more information I'm all for a cheeky plug Debbie you've got to go for it you're here to help people you know this is about we want you know uh, we want people to take seats at the table we talked uh, last week when we had a speed catch up about we'd both been in the media hadn't we I'd done Sky News and I think you'd done GMB and and, and Northwest News and I remember I'm, I'm, I was on a panel for 45 minutes and it kept coming on with trains and I'm thinking where's Debbie Francis when I need her you know and and I I listened back and thought, gosh, I should have said this. I should have bridged it to say this. But actually, it's important, like you say, to just to keep keep on doing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, and you do, you know, you do get better at it. You don't get any less nervous, but you get better at it. But you just got to keep on doing it anyway. And you know what? Everyone's flawed. I don't know why we think we have this impression, don't we? We're supposed to go on and be some perfect person with these perfect dancers it's like well that's just not real and it's never gonna be real so I think I think you know just accepting that trying to understand that you're not going to be perfect and that actually that's just going to have to be okay you know there are very few perfect people or perfect things in the world so you just get that's just going to have to be okay but again that takes some practice to accept and to to kind of go okay I'm just going to accept I'm not going to be great or and so we've been asking people to take seats at the table but often sometimes it's easy to shy away oh what knowledge have I got I don't know all about that you know that stuff or the budgeting stuff or the governance stuff so you know uh, what are the first steps you know if we're not included at the moment at that table or in that conversation yet we've got something that we feel we want to add what are the, where do we start where do we start with this so I think there's a few things. I, I would say, looking back over the pandemic, having become a person who watches the news every morning, for example, and I, I never used to because I never used to have time. I'd be off and on a train normally going somewhere the first thing in the morning. But, I, you know, I, through the whole of the last 18 months and now it's part of my routine. I watch the news every morning, etc. And I remember just before the pandemic, we went and did to the 50-50 BBC thing. And they were talking to us about the fact that They've, they've got all these women now on the register and things, but they approach them to do sessions and they can't get women to say yes. Um, but I think maybe some of that began to change a little through the pandemic because I, I became conscious that I was seeing far more female experts 
appearing. Now, whether that's just because we feel better when we're sat in our own house or something, I have no idea. Or whether it's just because, you know, before you'd be asked to go to a studio for nine o'clock in the morning. And quite frankly, if you've got to get your kids to school, it's not going to happen. Whereas, you know, through the pandemic, the availability for women, and we all know, you know, we lead all these double lives, the availability for women was there. So they put themselves forward. So I think that that, you know, it is beginning to change. But And I think that that's the key thing to get in a seat at the table. Again, the, the difficulty is it links to confidence. You said women say, oh, you know, I, I don't know enough about this. Or I don't know enough about that. And of course, it takes confidence. You say, I know enough to talk on the subject. But so we go back to what I said before, you know, you've got to keep putting yourself forward. The other thing is, though, it's down to those of us that have a seat at the table to make sure the people offering the seats are aware of their own biases in how they go about it. And then that way, maybe we don't have to quite those people trying to get a seat don't have to try quite so hard because the people who are there offering them are aware of what they need to put in place to, to help them. To, to, to make sure that they get the diversity of candidates that they may be looking for. You know, at the end of the day, if people are not in the candidate pool, you can't give them the job. So how do you get people to put themselves forward? There's a lot of things you can think about at that stage to open up that pool and to, to get rid of, rid of some of the biases that stop people even putting themselves forward. So I think, you know, yeah, you've got to try to, to find a way to step out your comfort zone and put yourself forward. But it, a lot of it needs to rely on those of us there. And there are a lot more of us there now. It's, it isn't like the last hundred years since, you know, since the suffragettes. It's not quite so slow. It's not as fast as we might like, but it isn't quite so slow. I mean, you know, in the FTSE 350, there's been huge improvements between 2015 and 2021, huge improvements. It's not where it needs to be. But it has actually, you know, we've almost doubled the number of women on boards. We've actually reached more than 30% of the boards being made up of females. And there's a lot of people say that's the tipping point, that if you can get more than 30%, you can sustain it because you've got enough voice. It's not just one sole voice. You've got enough voice to then sustain that going forward. Um, the, you know, there are no FTSE 350s that are all male boards anymore. Okay, you know, which is which is great. But they, I think also, obviously, a lot of us are aware a lot of those positions are non-executive, not executive roles. Okay. And that, you know, so let's not fool ourselves that it's great because it isn't, but it has done huge changes in just six years. So I think if we can, and it is the last six, 10 years, we've seen so much movement like yourself, Simone, and everything that you've done for women across the North, but in bringing those women together, in putting through the role models, in supporting young people through, a lot of that activity has been in this last decade. It hasn't been before that. And look at what it's doing. So I think in the next decade, we'll see it shift. And I think there's then a bigger problem to tackle. How do we tackle that wider diversity that's not just about gender? But at the moment, I think we are on a great path from a gender perspective. So let's just keep doing what we're doing. There's so many things to pick up on in there, is and I could talk to you all day, David. But in last week's podcast with Sam Walker, you talked about when we touched on, you know, sometimes you have that panic about not knowing, having all the answers. Well, obviously, you know, most of the time, a producer on a show is bringing you in to fill in the bits that they don't know. So don't worry about that. You know, share your knowledge. You know, it's all good. You talked about the 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 the, the 
FTSE 350 boards. There's no all male boards now. We're definitely seeing a, a shift in the last decade. But what are the things about the boards themselves? How can those boards be encouraged to have more diversity? How can we encourage them to look further wider? I've definitely seen your chair of the LEP. I know we've got a female uh, a chair, Siobhan McArdle, over in Tees Valley. Uh, I think Claire Haywood in Cheshire. We're definitely seeing a, a rise of um, you know more female representation on local enterprise boards. So I'm going to high five Sir Roger Marsh on this. The king of the LEPs, if you like, you know, it's that sponsorship approach. But what else? How can other people be more Roger? Yeah, I think, and you know, it is that sponsorship approach. But I think it is, you know, a big part of this still comes to getting rid of the biases. We know that, you know, when you advertise roles, um, you know, if you if you look at creating that job specification on a more outcome focused basis, you know, what do you want the role to achieve? Not a list of things you're supposed to have to do it what's it supposed to achieve? So people can read it and go, I know I can achieve that. Women, that will relate far better to women than a list of activities that they, or a list of skills you're supposed to have where they'll often doubt themselves. We've just, we've just talked about it and say, well, I haven't got that, I haven't got that, they won't apply. So there's all sorts of things to do to, to encourage you to open up, to get people to put themselves forward. And this comes down to the language that you're using. It comes down to outcome-focused skills. And then once you get them to put themselves forward, there's another step that boards have got to take and they need to take it all the way through the organisation. There's another step boards have got to take to make sure that the interview process doesn't have a whole heap of subconscious and unconscious biases as well. And then the other thing, of course, boards have got to do is they need to look at their companies and say, how are we making sure that the talent can come through equally? You know, how are we making sure that we're not letting, you know, women, for example, get to a certain point in the career? Then because as a company, we're really just not, you know, we might tell ourselves we're doing the right thing. But the reality is we're not doing the right thing. We're not keeping those women or we're not giving them an equal opportunity when they may return, etc. It's about those things. And, and I think and that's down to boards. You know, that's how you lead it from the top and how you continually question your company about what they're doing. Boards can do that. That's part of what your role is. Challenge that company all the time what are you doing about this what are you doing about this so your voice can be your own table can't it within your own organization influencing up and i think this will add totally into as you said we you know we're fighting for gender we're fighting for wider representation around ethnicity you know that the wider piece around wider diversity wider inclusion wider social mobility so debbie literally i cannot thank you for such fantastic advice today and insight um every single one of these i every time i we have a conversation you are you just give the best like top tips so everything that comes out of this you are you are. everything that comes out today will go on to we create like a cheat sheet or a resource sheet so you know the podcast is not just for listening it's for reading too so debbie thank you so much for joining me today and good luck at the castle next year Thanks, Simone. And, and thanks for, for getting me on. It's always And it's always great to talk to you anyway. So I know you and I can go on for hours, couldn't we? Which is not what people need. <laughs> Do you want to come back for episode four? Be brilliant. We haven't even really done much about Trace, but thank you so much. You will have given everyone out there uh, some real food for thought as they continue on their day, their walk, their hike, whatever they're doing, or they're multitasking. So thanks for tuning in today. Please do you tell your friends about our podcast. Reach out to us on socials at North Power Women on Twitter and Northern Power Women on all our other social media. Get your profile out there. Sign up to wearepower.net and start shouting about your achievements and where you can offer help and support to other members of our community. Um, I'm Simone Roche. You've been listening to a Northern Power Women podcast, which is a What Goes On Media production. Ooh.